Hey everyone and welcome to this special edition of Praxis Pedagogy Cascadia 21 Special Edition. In this mini-series, I share some space with the Cascadia 21 partners from BC, Washington State, Oregon State, and California. My hope is to not only highlight these wonderful partners who've built this year's Cascadia Open Educational Summit, but to also showcase some incredible work going on in their particular areas within the Cascadia region. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you on the other side. One. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast Cascadia Edition. It is our pleasure to have uh, Amanda Coolidge with us. And uh, Amanda, this is, this is great that we get to sit down and chat a little bit about you and some work that you're doing with BC Campus and then talk a little bit about Cascadia. So how are you doing? Great. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to the conversation and um yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to ask. <laughs> Good. So uh, for those who may not know who you are, which I'm not sure there are many, if any, uh, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background with BC Campus? Sure. So uh, my name is Amanda Coolidge. I currently reside on the traditional unceded territories of the uh, Esquimalt and Songhees nations of the Wasonic um, and Masonic nations of the Lagonquin speaking peoples, also known as Victoria, British Columbia. And I am currently the director of open education at BC campus. And I've been with BC campus since, um, 2014. Okay. That's, so does, does Cascadia go all the way back to that point or does it start later? So than Cascadia, that? that's a great question. Cascadia actually, uh, is an offshoot of what was originally the Open Textbook Summit, which did which started uh, in 2013, I believe, with a very small group. And then since then, it's transpired from the Open Textbook Summit, which was really focused mainly for BC educators and BC um, folks into what has now turned into Cascadia with a broader group. Ah, okay. Okay. And so when, when it started off as a smaller group, was that was just people in BC and just educators or, or uh, yeah, instructional so designers? Who, who was there? It included instructional designers, students, um, administrators, um, educational technologists, anybody who was interested in open education in an institution was welcome to attend. And we also invited, um, many times we would invite, invite folks from other organizations uh, globally, um, as well, you know, and in North America, um, specifically, uh, to come and attend to share work that they're doing. So our initial partners really were areas of, uh, creative commons and open stacks, um, spark was another group we would invite, um, so that folks in British Columbia would know that open education wasn't just something happening within our region, but it was something that was a global movement. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So when you say students were involved right from the beginning, that's that's a thread that has followed all the way through since your first um, conference uh, with open textbooks. And it's something that we value a lot with these conferences, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, that and something, you know, in 2015, 2016, I believe, I can't remember the exact date, but we had the opportunity to highlight two students who did a 
did keynotes for us. Um, and that was the first time we had students keynote and really talk about their experience. Um, we've also done things where we've had students sit on panels and also talk about their experiences. And one thing um, in the recent years, in the last probably three to four years, we've started making it so that students don't pay a conference fee to to attend. So if you are a student in British Columbia, your attendance is free. Yeah, that's and that's that's so cool because they, they face so many barriers anyway, right? But to mm-hmm. come to a conference like this one and not have to worry about fees and 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 the like is is fantastic. And in fact, this year is unique for Cascadia in that regard, isn't it? Yeah, so this year um, is unique in the sense that no one has to pay. Um, so we made it a entirely free conference, which is really exciting. And especially with so many of the access barriers that I think have been faced through um, the pandemic and uh, really wanting to open it up because it's in a virtual environment, open it up to folks who would normally not be able to travel or be a part of Cascadia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very cool. I'm really looking forward to uh, to the conference. But before we get into that, uh, you've you've expanded your portfolio a tiny bit with BC Campus uh, around EDI, which is Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion. I wonder if you could take a few minutes to explain some of that to us. First of all, like what does EDI mean? Sure. So EDI means that um, it's equity, diversity, and inclusion. And one of the things um, that we have been working on at BC Campus is identifying what is our own EDI statement. Um, So one thing we have done, if you are able to, you can take a look at the About Us page and we have defined what do we mean as an organization about equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, And in particular, the one I'd like to highlight is equity. And so we believe the BC campus that equity is the absence of barriers that exclude people with non-dominant or marginalized lived experiences, perspectives, and identities. And we recognize that everyone is not starting from the same place and that there's a need for intentional interventions to allow people who experience exclusion to be present and contribute. And so one of the things that we've been doing at BC Campus is not only working on these definitions, which were worked on as an organization, but we brought together um, a learning team. So folks volunteer or volunteers to this, they do this work as part of their own work at BC Campus. And we have worked alongside a couple of really excellent consultants to help us through this process. So the first person Um, we reached out to was Cicely Blaine Consulting, and they helped us identify what did we, how did we want to audit our organization? So we really needed to take a look internally at what was our EDI uh, influences, what does our organization look like from that perspective? And so they conducted a survey and an audit. And secondly, um, the learning team um, who, who have been focused on this uh, on this work um, brought in Dr. Lisa Gunderson, who works, uh, she's a consultant as well with a, her own consultant company called One Love Consulting. And she has been really instrumental in helping us not only identify what is it we actually mean when we say EDI, but also to take a look at what does it mean to involve an entire organization in this work and how do we want to um, present this work, not only internally, but also externally. That's very cool. As you're doing this work in EDI, are you finding the definitions 
between our, I don't know if you're looking at other organizations, but as you were reading that out and um, as I'm listening to what you were, your description, is EDI going to look a little different from organization to organization? And how does that, how does that work in the sense of equity in the way that I think of it? Equity means it's, it's equitable across all spectrums and all boundaries. So, yes. So in general, there is sort of a standard definition for equity being that sort of equitable um, access to to what's needed. However, through the work of Dr. Lisa Gunderson, you know, we really learned that what she was articulating is that when an organization is looking at writing their equity, diversity, and inclusion statements and definitions, the important aspect of that is for it to be relatable to the organization. And so each organization will have a different context of what equity, diversity, and inclusion is. Um, but at the uh, sort of at the the entire spectrum of it is um, is the notion that um, you know is an important uh, avenue for us to be looking towards, and also um, something that while may have sort of a mainstream definition of what is equity, again it goes back to that being very specific as how does it impact your organization and the specific work you do as an organization. Ah, okay, cool. So what have you discovered so far about uh, equity and diversity inclusion since you started? Well, I have, um, I'll be completely honest and vulnerable and say that, you know, I am a white uh, woman who is able-bodied, who is a, um, third generation university graduate who has really uh, grown up with privilege, not only because I am white, but because of certain economic statuses. And I think there's, um, it's a, you know, something that I've learned through this process is that we cannot start looking at ways to improve equity, diversity, and inclusion within our organizations if we do not start looking at ways to improve our own internal uh, values and being with this work. Um, there is a lot of self-learning that needs to take place. And for, you know, and this learning, while we can hire consultants to help us, people of color to help guide us through this work, it is so important that people in privileged uh, states and who represent the majority need to take ownership of this work because we need to do something to dismantle systemic racism across our institutions that we hold. So for me, this work has been incredibly vulnerable, incredibly humbling. Um, it's also um, brought to the fore what I truly believe and why I'm, I'm a part of you know, open education as a whole, which is to improve access for students, but also access for marginalized uh, folks in community. And I need to really dig deep as to what, what has been my lived experience, as well as what does my lived experience tell me about um, how I can do better. And so I, I do take that to heart a lot. Um, and, you know, there's a, a familiar saying that says, when we know better, we do better. And um, I think through this work as well, another thing I'm learning is that we will make mistakes when we when we do this work. And what we need to do is is acknowledge those mistakes. And in that mistake, 
also acknowledge what action we are doing to rectify that mistake. So this could be an entirely separate podcast about all the things I've learned. Um, but I would say in the spirit of continually working towards dismantling systemic racism and decolonizing my own practices, that I'm in a continual place of learning. That's powerful. And um, I, I'm, as you're, as you're going through that, I'm thinking of organizational behavior is not really so much organizational behavior of an organization as it is behavior of people within the organization. And, and you're right that starting with the individual is, is the best place to start in my opinion too, because if we're looking at changing an, uh, the behavior of an organization, you have to start looking at as people. And that, that, that includes everybody from leadership all the way down to the person you may have just hired last week. Very powerful. And you're right. This will be a whole other episode on another, uh, another, uh, podcast. Um, so, uh, we'll, we won't dig into this too deep cause I don't want to rob from that future experience. Um, so th that, that'll be great to, to dig into that more with you later. Um, what do you want attendees to experience at Cascadia? It's going to be coming up very shortly. Um, we have a record number of people who have signed up. We have some great keynotes. We have some really great presentations. By the time people listen to this, we would have gone through all the adjudication processes and got our schedule together. What do you really want attendees to experience this year at Cascadia 21? So one of the greatest things about our events at BC campus is that while they may be large at certain times, we do an incredible job. And when I say we, I say our events organizer, Christy Foote, at, um, at making people feel welcome and making people feel as if they're part of a community. And I'm very curious to see how that translates into the virtual world. And I hope people feel um, something, you know, that connection as well. I'm also really hoping that people, um, as a result of some of the keynotes we chose this this year, um, a lot of the name, most of the names are unfamiliar to a lot of the open education community. And I think that's a really valuable um, thing for us to have. I think it's time for us to be lifting up voices from folks we haven't heard from in the past. Um, I'm really looking forward to the diverse perspectives. I'm also extremely you know excited about the number of presentations that are coming up and the quality of presentations um and i also think it's really important especially during this pandemic time when we haven't been able to see each other face to face as well as attend conferences and have these interactions is it's so valuable to give folks the opportunity to share the work that they've been doing during this time and so i really want I really hope that attendees take this um, opportunity to both learn and and sort of take some of their learnings forward into the work that they do day to day. Yeah, really good. Really good. What are you looking forward to the most about this year's conference? Ooh, the most. What am I looking forward to the most? You know, I don't I don't want to say one. I can't say one thing. What I'm looking forward to the most is that first day. You know, it's like this excitement builds about like it's almost like opening the doors and, and being like, you know, as 
as you do, it's like three, two, one, go. And I love that energy of like the first day of a conference. And um, to me, it, I think what will be super exciting is to just see it all unfold in this virtual setting and to um, to really be immersed in that um, for, for the time that we have with folks. So I would say that. Very good. Very good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting when all that energy comes to a, a the point of a pin and all all this time that the planning committee and and uh, the event planner has been putting into this event is all obviously it all comes to one one conference and one three day experience. But uh, yeah, it's the the momentum is certainly building. Thanks, Amanda, for taking the time to be here today. Appreciate it. And um, if for those of you who haven't registered to Cascadia, get online. Uh, we'll include the uh, the link in the in the description description below and uh, you can go and register right away. Like I said, we have an, uh, a record breaking number of people who have registered so far. So uh, be sure to get in and uh, and take part of this important, probably the best conference you're going to attend this year, hands down. And I'm not just saying that because I work for the company. Anyway, have a great day. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you. Okay.